I was watching sport last night. Yeah, it wasn't chess, Pastor Andres. It was something else. But what I know about next week is I think I'm going to take my computer and watch the, the rugby there in the parking lot of the hospital just to make sure I'm right there if I need to go in. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Last week, I, no, two weeks ago, I had the privilege to start with uh, a little bit of a two-part two sermon um, that I call the first man on the stage, and it was on John the Baptist. Who was here two weeks ago? Just give me a wave and say, okay, so we've got some consistency. Don't worry if you're not here. It's, um, the second part can live without the first. I'll set a little bit of context. In the Gospel of Mark, things happen rapidly. Often in the Gospel of Mark, uh, the writer will say, and immediately they went, and immediately they went. And, and in, in the spirit of Mark, it starts with a bang. It says, at the beginning, there was this man, John the Baptist, and it just gets into the thick of things. And I was just spending some time on the first six ver verses of Mark chapter 1, which leads us straight into this man, John the Baptist. Now, if we want to know a little bit more about him, we can read some of the other Gospels which gives us wider context. But Mark does not leave out. He's very selective with, with what he puts in. And the things he lifts up around John the Baptist and the things that happens there where he was baptizing, we should pay close attention to because there's a lot of help for us there. Just a quick recap. On last week, it says in Mark 1 verse 6, Now John was clothed in camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. Okay? He was a unique character. And what I also said last week is it's not that John's parents was exceptionally poor or exceptionally rich. His dad was working in the temple. So he, he didn't have to live this way. He didn't have to live in the desert. But John was called and he responded to the call. And he lived differently. He lived differently. And he lived a life with humble means. And in a similar way, um, we don't have a desert here, okay? Um, and and I'm, I'm not suggesting we all should go and live in the mountain, although Pastor Andres will love that. It's one of his favorite places to go to. But what at least it, it, it leads us to consider is that we should be different. Amen? He who has met Jesus looks different. The, the way of life is, is different. If, if two people, if two people works at the same company and they earn the same salary, I don't know if plan this, but please just follow me. They earn the same salary, but the one is a believer that tithes and gives to the poor. He has to live differently. He must live differently. His budget looks differently because he has been called to live in a different way. Okay. Now, now, that's one example, but there's many ways. When the world looks at Christians, they should see, why is this person different? 
It's because of a kingdom that's inside of them. Amen. And he preached. Not only did he live a humble life, he also preached a humble message. He said, after me comes he who is mightier than I. That next slide. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Spirit. Listen, I am not the important one here. Once again, it is a 100% countercultural. Imagine, imagine someone stepping into to an interview at a great company and saying, listen, I'm not that great. <laughs> we are constantly trying to, to sell ourselves. We, we make sure we don't miss that one thing on the CV. We must show we are better than the one next to us. And there's nothing wrong with a great CV. Please understand my heart. But John the Baptist has no... He, he, he's not focused on protecting his reputation there where he's eating, say, springkane, waar is He's got no interest in lifting himself up. He says, listen, as you guys are coming here, let me just say this. I am not that great, but wait for the one who is to come. He is exceptional. There's things I can do in the natural. Yeah, I can baptize you here in the water, but there's something he can do in your heart which man cannot do. And so John, he lived with humble means, just to sum up last week. But he also served with humility in the heart. And there's a lot for us there. If, if this is something we aim at, if we can go to that next slide, we'll do well before the Lord. You'll flourish among his people. You'll be well equipped for friendship, marriage. Because you see, if it's not about you, one is not easily offended. One has no need to constantly defend yourself, defend your position. So there's a lot to take from him. But I want to move on. I want to, I want to move on this morning. So this is the John we're looking, we looked at last week. But now I want to look, what does this kind of heart attract? Like, how does God lean in to a heart like that? Because there's a lot to learn here for us. A lot to take home. The first man on the stage, part two. Uh, and, and, and if I could give this message a theme, it would be the blessing of humility. The blessing of humility. If it's in the heart. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, now, if we believe this, <laughs> we will look different in the world. <clears throat> what we hear in a competing world is, if you are the best, doors will open. If you sell yourself well, if, if you make sure, if you manage, come on, if you manage the way people see you publicly, 
you'll be accepted and you'll flourish. That is what the world wants us to pick up. And if we are not aware, it finds its way into our life. But the Bible says something opposite to that. It says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And we see that in action in Mark chapter 1. I think, and, and I know this from my own life, that we tend to overestimate the importance of what we should change out there, and we tend to underestimate the importance of what we should change in here. And times in my life where I've become stuck, where I've become frustrated, where, where I have felt that I don't sense movement, I don't sense joy, it's almost like I feel something is disconnected. Most of the time, it did not change by me trying to change things out there, but changing that engine in here, the heart. Because God gives grace to the humble, isn't that true? And, and I will hold it before us that if by the grace of God, you can steward your heart to be humble and self before the Lord, it is possible for you to have victory every area of your life. I believe that. Now, John was clothed in camel's hair, so we're just going to step into the next couple of verses. And he wore a leather belt around his waist. We did that part. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Verse 9. Okay, we're going beyond last week. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Now, John says, the one who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down. Now, the feet back then, this is tire van your van your footer, your footer, trap and alles wat op die and animals they find their way on those roads. So feet, weet jy wat toe jam? Okay, if you don't know what toe jam is, ne? when you walk in the mountain for two hours with pluckies, and then when you take your plucky out and you bring it close to your face, don't bring it too close. That gooey substance there. That's toe jam. Okay. Now, back then, it was toe jam on a different level. Because what was mixed onto the feet, onto the sandal, was horrific. John says, if, if, if I could untie his sandal to take it off, it would be an honor for me. Because I'm not worthy to touch him even. Now, that's the position of his heart. He says... I am not worthy to stoop down and touch his feet. You know how Jesus responds? He travels 40 kilometers to come and meet that man at the Jordan. He gives grace to the humble. He draws into that man's presence to, rec to receive ministry from John. It seems like the lower we go, the better for us. In Psalm 51 verse 17, it says, The sacrifice of God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O oh God, you will not despise. 
What are we here today? Defend. <laughs> Defend yourself. Hey, I think I just want to chat to you about this area. Defend. You misunderstand me. It wasn't me. It was that person. You must understand the context. Scripture says, God gives grace to the humble, uh, broken, and contrite heart. Oh, God, you will not despise. Here we find John living a humble life, humble message. And what he experiences is the presence of Jesus. The literal presence of Jesus. Jesus journeys two or three days to him, to be with him. Those in the temple that walks like this, they don't even know the Savior has come because he passes by the temple to find John. Isn't that incredible? And it's interesting today, still, Jesus walks the pews of churches. He walks the town. And if a heart would be humble, he will not be far. He will not be far. But he can stand and touch the person in the chair next to me and can totally pass me by if my heart is closed. The power of a humble heart cannot be overestimated. He washes the feet of the disciples. He's in the room washing their feet. There's one man plotting for his death. He's right there washing the feet of all the disciples, including Judas. Judas sit there with a hard heart. And Jesus does not enter in. It might be in my life and in yours that our greatest challenge is not the things out there, but the things in here. It's something we can take from John the Baptist. Jesus comes to him. And Jesus allows John to minister to him. He allows John to baptize him. Isn't that incredible? And, and, and through his life, Jesus allows these humble people to do things for him. A woman with nothing, despised and rejected, humble, in tears, ministering on Jesus' feet, into his presence, into his heart. And I have to ask myself this morning, what is the posture of my own heart this morning? Does it carry, does it invite the presence of God? He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And maybe this will help myself and some people here. The issue is not with your spouse. <laughs> maybe it's with you. Well, if both spouses can get to that revelation, we'll be fine. Let me start with my own heart. But let's go on. And when he came out, of, out up out of the water, immediately... He saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We see God three in one inhabiting the space where John is ministering. The second thing that John experienced, that the humble will experience, is the voice of the Father. Now, the father was not saying to John, 
This is my beloved son. He was saying it to Jesus, but that's not the point. The point is we want to be in the place where the voice of God is heard so that it can be acknowledged and followed. That's it. When my heart is hard, I hear clearly what my flesh wants to say, what my offense wants to say, what my anger has to say. This is justice. This is right. I wasn't in the wrong. But when I am humble and I open my ears, I hear the voice of a father speaking, giving me a perspective. I remember once or twice in my life that when I really came to the end of myself, I heard the father speak in my heart. One of those times was when my wife and I got invited to go and plant a church in Mpumalanga. And uh, that was a big decision for us. We were newly married. My wife had a business here. And so it would be at great cost for us to leave. A great cost in the natural. And uh, I was fighting this thing. I was fighting this thing. And then one day, I, I just surrendered. I'm like, okay, Lord. If I lose everything but I have you, I will be fine. And I walked up a mountain, a table mountain, actually. They're at the bottom of a, the cable car. You can actually drive there with your car and get quite high. Wonderful views. And I was looking over the city belt because that's where uh, the church was, where we were co-pastoring in, in gardens, if you know Cape Town. Anyone here from the city bowl? It's amazing how busy that place is. And then when you get on the mountain, you look down, you get perspective. So I was looking over the waterfront, looking over the city bowl, and, and I was reading Psalm 16. And it says, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a good inheritance. And that, and that moment, it was a misty morning. I, I experienced the voice of a father. I was open to hear. I was really, I was seeking him now. I, I lay down my weapons. I lay down what I think I wanted and, and all my arguments. And I said, Lord, I just want to hear you. And he said to me, look, where I will take you, it will be more beautiful than anything you can see here. And I knew. And I realized, if I am really open to hear him, if I'm really open to hear him, I will hear him. Because he is constantly speaking through his word and helping me to apply the word in my life. But I am not constantly listening. Because I go through times when my heart, my flesh, causes me to be hard of hearing. How's it going with your heart? Are you given over? Are you still soft to hear? Because if you soften yourself, he gives grace to the humble. One of those graces is his voice, his guidance in your life. Amen. Jesus comes to John in person. The Father speaks. Incredible. Incredible. One of my greatest desires is to be I don't even have to be the pastor of a church, but to be in a church where the Father speaks and we can hear him. That's it. Because there's so many traps out there. But if we can hear him so that we do not fall into the traps of this world, then we are surely blessed. We've got more work in here than work out there. 
when I say out there, sometimes we think the answer is changing the people around us. Okay? So sometimes we want to change our external landscape, and we think that's going to help us, but it starts here. Amen? It starts here in the heart. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. The Spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness. The Son comes to John the Baptist. The Father speaks in that context, and the Spirit is active. The Spirit descends on Jesus. We see God three in one inhabiting that space. And the Spirit activates Jesus for ministry before the face of John the Baptist. He sees us. Imagine that. Imagine seeing God work in your life like that. And the third thing the humble will experience is the activation of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, if we look at what happened to Jesus, we can go to that next slide. If we look at what happened to Jesus and what the Spirit activated him for, it helps us a whole lot here. Because we must understand that the Holy Spirit is not our pet. Okay? He's not our pet that we can pat and make us feel nice. He activates us for the purposes of the Lord. And in this case, the Holy Spirit activates Jesus for a great task ahead. He, send, he activates him into the desert where he would have victory over the enemy. And what I know and what I believe with all my heart I cannot say with surety that the Holy Spirit will come and make everything easier for you. In fact, with surety I can say, probably not. But what I know He will do is He will help you obtain victory in each and every season where you might find yourself. And He will activate you for the purposes of God on your life. He's not here to make us only feel something. He's here to send us somewhere. And sometimes it looks and it feels glamorous, but other times it looks like this. He works on your heart. Go and care for that person. They've got nothing to eat. And you are activated. You get in your car and you solve that problem. The work of the Spirit. You are humble to listen and ready to respond. Sometimes it sounds like this. Make a friend with that person. They've got no one bringing someone into fellowship. Sometimes the activating voice of the Holy Spirit in your life sounds like this. Find that person you trust and tell them about the sin you are struggling with. Because he is the Holy Spirit, he helps you to overcome. But when we are humble, we find his working in our lives, his activation. But he can be grieved. Amen. He can be grieved. He can be welcomed and he can be grieved. But the humble receives grace from the Lord. The presence of the Son, the Father, and the Spirit. Sometimes the boldest thing you and I have to do is to put a blocker on our internet. For some of us, the activation of a spirit would be don't touch alcohol for a time. 
yeah, but I never get drunk. But you know what? Just open your ears. Maybe he wants to take you deeper into something. I know I'm, I'm, I'm saying things as part of our everyday lives. But you know what? We are of a spirit. And sometimes the Holy Spirit leads us deep into something for our maturity and for the glory of the Lord. Amen? What are we hungry for? And so I just asked this question. So what do I do when I consider the first man on the stage? What do I do when I remember John the Baptist? What do I do if I think how God invades that space and ministry happens and wonderful things happen? I remember Psalm 34. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their trouble. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. And he saves the crushed in spirit. The heart that is humbled before the Lord invites the presence of God. Jesus travels all the way to John the Baptist. And I want to encourage someone here today because someone, sometimes we feel alone. Thanks for that word, Johan. We feel left alone. We feel we are living amongst the tombs. We have been outcasted from society like the man in Mark 5. We feel everyone has forgotten about me, my parents or my children. And then Jesus says, let us go to the other side. And he gets into a boat with the disciples. And there's even a storm on the way. He goes across the lake to meet one man who was demon-possessed. But when he saw Jesus, you know what he did? He ran and fell at his feet. He goes and he finds that man. Start here today. Ask yourself this question. If I consider my heart, where am I at? Is it hard? Is it soft? Is it ready to respond? Is it ready to listen? He who wants to hear the voice of God will hear the voice of God. He who has already decided what he wants to do will find a way to stick to what he wants to do. But he who is soft will advance with the Lord. Let's soften our hearts before the Lord. Let's, let's allow him to be our king, church. Amen? Let us bring our hearts before the Lord this morning. This weekend we were... We were with friends in Bonnyvale, and the one little daughter and my daughter, they, like, got into one another's hair, like they sometimes can do. And uh, I could see, like, they were both, like, very mad at one another. And uh, I called my daughter. I said, listen, Talita, go to your, go to your mic, go to your mic, go I said, no, <laughs> I will not do it. I said, I, I know, I understand, but I, I want you to go to her, and I want you to make a friend. And I laugh about it now, but you know what? We are just like that. We wait, we wait, we wait. We're often the breakthrough is in here, not out there. Soften your heart first. Even if they were the offender, soften your heart. Let the Holy Spirit activate some forgiveness in you. 
and pray it out. Say, Lord, I forgive this person. Take the first step, even if you were pushed away. What can happen when we obey the Lord, when we walk as disciples full of the presence of the Son, the Father speaking to us, the Holy Spirit activating us? Where you are sitting this morning, won't you just yield yourself to the Lord again? Say, Lord, I belong to you. And I want to invite you to pray this prayer. Say, Lord, will you help me consider the nature of my heart this morning? Where, where, where am I at, Lord? Will you help me? If there's stiffness in my heart that's related to unforgiveness, will you show me? Just allow him to show you in these moments. Normally, when I am stuck with a hard heart, there's a face of a person close by in my memory. An offense I have picked up or a hurt I'm carrying or anger. And I want you, if that's happening to you right now, if that face is coming up, that family member, that friend, that associate, or maybe even that spouse, I want you just to say, Lord, will you help me right now to soften my heart and to forgive that person. Start with you. Just whisper it out. Say, Lord, help me to soften my heart, to humble my heart before you. Maybe there's people here this morning that you are, you're actually a little bit angry with the Lord because you feel let down by Him. Soften your heart. Say, Lord, I don't see what you see. I know you are good. I just want to soften my heart towards you again, to open my heart towards your face. Maybe you are here this morning and you feel that you are not good enough for God because of the sins you've done, things you have said, places you went, promises you broke. And you feel you are not good enough. And you know what? You're right about that. Because we are not saved on our goodness. If that was the case, none of us would be saved. We are saved by grace. Christ died once for all. The righteous for the unrighteous, the just for the sinner. So what you do in this moment is you bring your life before the Lord and you say, Lord, I humble myself before you. I am a sinner in need of saving. Invade my life. Come into my space, Lord. Come into my space and nudge me, press me. Holy Spirit, activate me. I bow down with my heart this morning. I actually sense that there's people here that's known the Lord for many years and you were very agile for the Lord. You were very industrious and things happened. And you followed and you went and then at one stage you stopped. And you stopped and you became stale. 
And you became stiff, almost like in the muscles of your faith. And you feel that your innings is over. I don't believe that's correct. I don't believe that's biblical. I just think you've got a little bit harder. So bring your heart again this morning to the Lord and say, Lord, make me as swift as a deer again for you. Where he gives you a name and you pray. Where he reminds you and you phone. Where you pray and people's faces come up and you reach out to hear if they're okay. Where you invite, where you minister. Let him make you swift as a deer again. challenge is not out there with external circumstances the challenge is in the heart can you soften this hard thing some of us this morning have to repent for having a hard heart that's how it will become soft just say you have a want ek is harakwas ek het a stuive nek ek wil nie hoor but I come to you because I actually want to change I want to become soft before you. Help me with that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We worship. Let's let's pray to the Lord in this place. We've got another couple of minutes. Just thank Him for your life where you are sitting. You are comfortable. Sit, Sit and speak to the Lord. Say, thank you for my life, Lord. Let me not carry a hard heart in my life. My kids don't deserve it. My family don't deserve it. My friends doesn't deserve it, Lord. But most of all, you don't deserve it to have a disciple of unresponsive heart. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand this morning as we finish off the sermon. What I want to do is I want to just make a blanket invitation that Uh, um, You can stand up. I want to ask you to take a step of faith after we've dismissed this meeting. If you feel it's like you want to, but you feel blocked. And and, and sometimes there's a big blocker, okay, and it's called unforgiveness. It's very tough. Because some of you here, you've been sinned against, even that is being used as a weapon. Even though someone else's sin broke over your life, it can be turned into your own hardness. But God can help you, release you, and set you free again. We, we want to pray with you. If you feel blocked, okay, pl- please don't walk out without receiving a prayer. Can I just ask small group leaders to come to the front? That'll be great just to have you around here. Can we just pray for you to unblock you? Also, if you feel you, you are near around here and, and you've prayed a prayer or two. You want to connect with Jesus. We want to help you. We want to pray with you. Amen. So I'm going to formally dismiss this meeting. And then I want to ask you to take a step of faith if you need to pray with someone. We're going to be praying for a whole lot of people. We've got enough time. And we want to love you in that way. Just to stand with you for a moment and pray with you. Amen. Yes, Lord, I want to thank you for... A morning where we have the opportunity just to worship you together with this wonderful band, sing songs and praises to your name, and consider our own hearts again before you. Bless us as we come and bless us as we go, Lord. And also help us, Lord, give us grace this morning.
Give us grace as we draw near to you. And as we leave this place, we pray that we will be known for love out there. Activate us and send us, precious Holy Spirit. And I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. You are formally dismissed. Please pray with us if you, if you need to.